Right now, however, we're going to talk New England Patriots football with Mike Dusso from Pat's Propaganda, as we do each and every Monday at about this time, provided the Patriots played on Sunday, of course. You know, uh, Mike, my last guest was telling me that yesterday's game was the one that probably gave him the most confidence in this team moving forward. I felt like it was the Buffalo win uh, a few weeks ago that kind of made me realize that this team might be a little better than we think it is. But that defense is, it, it, to me, it's been a long time since we've had some some old school defensive play in, in one season like we have uh, this uh, this year. And we've had uh, a couple of games this year where this defense is, has really played as well as it has in years. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they've been, when they're up, it's there's hard to find a flaw, you know, and that's been the case, especially at home. Uh, they've, they've played up, I mean, and then they play up to the competition, and then, you know, you can look at those road games, and it just looks like a different defense. And it, I mean, it, I, I, I've never seen such a, a, a wide gap between how they look, uh, usually at home, and how they've, they've looked at times on the road, but um, it was all clicking, and they were aggressive. The play calling and the team seemed to be getting a little bit more aggressive than they, they might have been with Matt Patricia, uh, and I think those things kind of paid off. So, I mean, everything clicked last night, uh, and there was certainly, a, yeah, a lot to be excited about. So many things to be excited about yesterday. Jason McCourty didn't look a step slow. I mean, it, is it, it's amazing to me what Belichick does with these teams because yesterday it looked like, it kind of looked like the Super Bowl twenty-five game plan, right? Like, okay, go ahead and go ahead and dunk it down the field. Go ahead and, and let Dalvin Cook run if you'd like to. We'll just keep you out of the end zone, and you know, for the most part, that's what they did. But I, it looked like Dalvin Cook would have been able to gash him, but Minnesota was just like, nope, we're not we're not interested in that running game so much, right? There just was there was no balance on that team. I I feel like Vikings fans have have a lot to be a little salty salty for this morning. Yeah, we hear that a lot. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it feels like it's one of like the core Belichick defensive tenets of you know everything he believes is you know just don't give up big plays. And I mean, I think they were fine lending all the, the underneath stuff, the checkdowns, all that stuff. Uh, and and we saw the results from you know two good wide receivers. Obviously, Diggs was definitely not one hundred percent. But you know, Patriots did everything they needed to do. Uh, and it's amazing how many times we've come on the games where teams are like, "Oh, if we had just run it more, we would have we would have won." But you know, it's just every time they seem to play into into that kind of philosophy that Belichick uh, seems to very much believe. It's uh, it it was pretty wild too. I was I also like the fact that basically the only thing we're talking about today, outside of the fact that the Patriots, you know, dominated to me, dominated you know really uh, for most of the game, uh, a, a team that was. Uh, you know, by many considered a Super Bowl favorite this year because they signed Kirk Cousins. Um, instead, we're talking about Adam Thielen and Bill Belichick on the sidelines. <laughs> yes, that was quite the moment. I, I, I you always gotta love it when Belichick gets fired up, and you can see exactly what he's saying. Uh, flashback. I think you'll obviously remember the uh, Derek Mason interaction he had. I think that was uh, in the, the 2009 season. Uh, that was quite colorful as well. So. Uh, it's fun. I mean, I love seeing, uh, you know, feeling get that fired up about it. You know, it's, uh, it, it was, I mean, it was a great game. I mean, it was competitive and, and that was all part of it. And, you know, everybody was doing everything they could to get an edge, but, uh, I mean, that's always, always great to see that side of Belichick. What, what, is JC Jackson, the new Malcolm Butler? Like, is he just, Ooh. and, and I mean, hopefully just the, the pre last year, Malcolm Butler, of course, but, 
Um, also, I did want to shout out Malcolm Butler for sealing the Jets game yesterday. Well done, Malcolm. <laughs> go, Malcolm. Go, Malcolm. That's what you like to say. But J.C. Jackson has, has looked as good as anybody. I mean, he played 89% of snaps last, last night. I mean, he's totally emerged as the third corner now. And, um, I mean, i got to look a little closer at it. I, I, remember, I mean, it seemed like, you know, they're keeping him on the outside and allowing Gilmore uh, and McCourty to travel a little bit more. Um, I'm just, i got to dive in exactly how they were using him when I, when I go through it. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, they always seem to find these guys. And I think it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, the surprising thing is, is how expensive the, the secondary really is. And, I mean, you know, to have a guy come in like that, especially when you're looking at, you know, McCourty's going to be a free agent, Jason, uh, on obviously a little bit older. I mean, anytime you can add, you know, I mean, and you've got Duke Dawson sitting on the sidelines. You've got Keon Crossan. So as far as the secondary, with J.C. Jackson's emergence, they are in good shape right now. Talking with Mike Duso from Pat's Propaganda, patspropaganda.com. What did you think about the way they fit uh, Burkhead in yesterday? I thought that was good usage for him. I thought it was also good usage for Michelle because however you want to, uh, however you want to really look at this, you got to keep Burkhead and, and Michelle fresh for the playoffs. So if you can rotate that in, and and that and that's not even mentioning James White, who's in a completely different story. Um, having him back, I, I feel, uh, helps quite a bit especially the backfield and keeping guys fresh and also giving you options. If somebody gets dinged up, like, you know, it seems to happen to Michelle each week because he gets tackled awkwardly. I, I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, uh, Michelle's injury prone by any means. Like, I just feel like he gets caught with his running style. He gets tackled so awkwardly by these guys. And you're starting to see it more and more like, you know, and I'm not saying you bring back the headshot by any means, but it seems like with these new tackling rules, tackles this year have been insanely awkward looking. Like guys trying to hang on for that last yard and then like just body parts bending and twisting like that. That one that he had at the Meadowlands, like I thought they cut him in half. You know what I mean? Like there was like draws of life stuff. But I mean, you've seen it. I've seen it all year and a lot of teams have been totally victimized by it and, and have had some serious injuries and some guys have totally skidded away with nothing. But um, having a Burkhead out there, you know, provided you can keep him concussion symptom free and uh, also still being able to deploy Corderell Patterson as you want to and not as you need to, I think adds an entirely different dimension to this office. This this might be for a team that in week three, we were concerned that this might be one of the most shallow offenses during the Brady era. This actually might be one of the most secretly deep uh, offensive arsenals that he's had in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I was just writing it this morning. It's just, just please let Burkhead, Michelle, and White have two healthy white, two healthy months left in them because I think that's everything. I mean, when they are able to roll those guys, keep everybody fresh, give everybody a roll. I mean, Burkhead, he's like, it's like he's shot out of a cannon every carry. Yes, I mean, you can see why he gets hurt every other game he plays. Um, but, you know, it's so great to add that element back into the offense to take some of the pressure off Michelle. He can now be more of your short yardage, kind of closer down, you know, back, that kind of guy. Um, so, it, I mean, everything's kind of gelling. You just hope everybody can stay healthy at this point. But, uh, you know, they're able to use everybody. Hogan's contributing. Patterson's chipping in. You know, and Gordon's coming through with, you know, those big catches that kind of spark the second half, you know, uh, when they pulled away. So, I mean, it's it's you just like you just want to put it all on ice. <laughs> you know, you need to win a couple more games. I mean, I think, and that's that's the big thing now is you got to go on the road. You got to prove uh, that you know you can play on the road. And if they prove they can play on the road, they might not have to go on the road again. So that's everything. Four weeks to go. Uh, but you know, at this point, I'm like, how? I don't see the season ending 
anywhere other than Kansas City or Atlanta. Yeah, and I, I think we already know. I, I I think we already know that it, it's it's got to be Atlanta, right? Like I was I was talking my uh, with Mark in the last segment, and I mentioned this like so. Patriots beat the Patriots are the are the after Deflate Gate, right? Patriots are the absolute are the villains, right? They're they're casted that way by the league. I mean, they they interviewed sixty six people to set this up to make their case. Atlanta had a chance to be the conquering hero, to defend and knock off the dastardly villain, the the team that everybody hates, right? Like somehow the new this generation of New England Patriots is actually more hated than the early nineties Cowboys were. Like I don't know how that happened. But we, what a time to be alive, Mike. Like, if you told 1993 me that someday people will hate the Patriots because they win too much, like they hate, like you hate the Cowboys now, I would have, I'd still be laughing. I probably would have died. I would have had a mild heart attack because I never would have stopped laughing from that because I never would have believed it. It's, it's insane. And I mean, and, and, and you know, you look at just the consistency year in and year out and how they've done it with just so many different guys over the years. And, you know, going from the team of America in 2001, winning, you know, winning that Super Bowl as the, you know, hapless underdogs with the backup quarterback. And now it's, you know, the evil empire again of, but the way they've done it with just the consistency and how hard it is to do it in the NFL with the injuries that, you know, add up, the player turnover, all that. It's just, it's always the same kind of progression. They look kind of crappy in the beginning, and then they slowly get better, and then early December, all of a sudden, you get a game that's like, whoa, this is a super well-rounded, deep football team. You know, that's what they are as Belichick is. They're a football team. They all play together. They might not be the most talented group, but every year, they're right there playing good football, and, you know, they're going to be right in the thick of it again this year. Talk with Mike Duso from Pants Propaganda and PantsPropaganda.com. So, uh, when I look around the league right now, that San Diego win last night, monstrous. Okay, that keeps them, that kind of keeps them keeping pace. Uh, the Chiefs, considering what they went through last week, was kind of a big win over Oakland, but they needed a late touchdown to make that a ten point win. Like, how much does this do you think change their team without having Hunt in the backfield? Like, we're filled incapably yesterday, but there's a difference between filling incapably against the Raiders and being a threat against a team like the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they've got a tough schedule. I mean, they, they do play three of the last four, I believe, at home. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes with these things, you know, this just happening with Hunt kind of dropping last week, I mean, I think somewhere you're kind of still just running on adrenaline. So, I mean, I think the office field stuff, you kind of wait to see how that marinates and manifests itself, uh, you know, at, over the course of a few more games. I mean, I think, you know, when they don't have that, that yardage, they're, you know, it's going to start to catch up with them. Uh, and, and obviously, I mean, it's just a player that, as a Patriots fan, you're thrilled not to have to worry about because he has carved Patriots silly, uh, you know, both times he's faced them. So, uh, you know, really, I think it's it, it really just going to come down to these next couple of games. I mean, for the Patriots on, on the road in Miami, which I don't know. I mean, everybody's got focus on Pittsburgh. But I mean, I feel like that's, you know, that's historically a really tough place for them, too. So uh, we're going to learn a lot about the Patriots in the next couple of weeks, and that's uh that's what I'm fascinated to see. But if they get home field advantage and they overtake Kansas City, uh, it's, it's, you know, Atlanta or bust. Atlanta or bust is, is the absolute key. And, of course, you won't be able to get any Chick-fil-A on a Sunday down there for Super Bowl Sunday. So that'll, <laughs> that won't work out all that great for anyone. But that's, that's okay. It's not, a, it's not a big deal, I guess, at this point. So what, do you, 
I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because, you know, there's still a few weeks to go here. And somehow we have to have the exact same schedule as we had last year, right, to end the year. Like, that is one of the more ridiculous things that I think I, I remember seeing during this time frame. Um, but what, what do you think this team looks like next season? Like, regardless of whether they win or lose, you've got a whole bunch of decisions on a whole bunch of guys to be made and a whole bunch of guys that need to make decisions on their own futures. Assuming Brady's back, assuming Belichick is back, who do you think is with them? Or are we looking at are we looking at the 2005 Patriots again when, when guys like Dwayne Starks and Monty Beisel coming off the street to help out? Oh, I love this question so much. I I wrote I was writing this morning, I was just kind of going through my thoughts and I and I wrote one line and I said, "All right, from there on out, I'm going to swear off talking or writing about next offseason because I have to just focus on this year, but I do think it's going to be a super interesting offseason. So I, I, I was, you know, I, I guess this will qualify. You're getting in under the wire where I, where I will uh, allow myself to talk about the future because <laughs> uh, it's fascinating. I mean, you got high power, huge money. Uh, you got Devin McCourty at huge money. Uh, Patrick Chung's going to be another year older. I mean, he's still pretty affordable. Um, you know, you look at and, and the big pieces as we talked about Trey Flowers being a free agent. So. You know, I always think the Patriots are going to be able to construct a competitive team, even if they do have to, you know, do the money buys of the world. Um, you know, those happen. But, you know, out of those kind of moves, they often find gems, too. Um, but I think it's, it's an interesting year. I mean, not, not even the Brady portion of it. Uh, I mean, I think that, that's a whole thing unto itself. But when you look across the board, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you just you have to wonder how they're going to manage things because Trey Flowers is – do going to get a bunch of money, uh, and he is really a guy that you, you really should resign. I mean, I know we always go through this of who they should and shouldn't resign, but um, that's just the key piece, and I think he has to be figured out first before you figure out what to do with Hightower, his option, Cannon, uh, McCordy, the rest of them that you know are due to make big money, but maybe still aren't on the upswing of their careers. I'm going to be real, real interested to see how this thing looks and, and see how it manages. And then, uh, of course, there's a little nugget dropped on Twitter today that uh, recently uh, uh, Tom Brady, I guess, followed Cliff Kingsbury on on uh, Instagram. And if you are of the ilk or of the uh, like some of the Patriots conspiracy theorists I follow out there, McDaniels will leave in the offseason and he'll be replaced by Cliff Kingsbury. And then you'll have Tom Brady in the air raid offense under Cliff Kingsbury or some variation of it. That's exciting. That's exciting to think about. Uh, I, I probably would probably think they're going to promote Chad O'Shea before they would just hire him. But, uh, but no, it's always fun to, I mean, God, you can only imagine every offseason going to be crazy about Brady everything. Well, I'm wondering if, if McDaniels leaves, if O'Shea goes with him to be the offensive coordinator, mm. and then they decide to go with Kingsbury. Because Kingsbury used to, he was a, he's a former Patriots quarterback, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a little bit of a tie there. So, I mean, Belichick has been his coach before, so there's a little bit of a tie-in. I mean, you remember when they replaced, I just look back at it, when they had to replace Romeo, when they had to replace Weiss, you know, we didn't know who McDaniels was, and we didn't know who, you know, we kind of knew who Dean Pease was, and he, he just seemed like kind of an uninspired hire. Um, and, and the defenses during that time, and it turns out it really wasn't Dean P's fault. I mean, he, he was a pretty decent defensive coordinator when he had talent with the Ravens. Um, when he didn't, he wasn't that great, but he didn't really coach guys up a little bit, but that, I don't think anybody could have coached that 2009 team. I mean, 
1967 Vince Lombardi himself could not have coached that uh, could have coached that 2009 team into anything. You know what I mean? They just didn't they didn't have it. Bad They're, mix. That was a just that was a bad mix of guys. And you just I feel like they've learned their lesson from that because really you haven't had a lot of bad mix. You've had some bad losses like 2010 against the Jets was a bad loss. 2000 you know, losing the losing to the Giants uh, a second time was almost as bad as the first one, but whatever, it happens. Uh, you lose in Denver, you totally get it because you're you're always. I mean, Denver is notoriously a terrible place to play. So you know they, they've they managed to keep us pretty dud free. So I don't I don't think we have a lot to pick about at this point. But I'm really fascinated towards the off season and. That's, I think, what keeps me so involved in the on-field product because what happens in the on-field is is going to drive the narrative about what happens in the off-season. But in reality, those decisions, a lot of them have probably already been made, right? I mean, you got to think there's at least some kind of conversations or plans behind the scenes, I mean, especially with Flowers. But you're right, every time you see Trey Flowers get a sack, it's ching And every time you see Danny Shelton not dressed, mm-hmm. it's all right, I guess he's probably not long. Uh, it's a cha-ching for the Patriots in that aspect because then they're going to replace him with somebody cheaper and somebody's still going to sign him and they're still going to get some sort of compensatory draft pick, whether it's in the sixth or the seventh round probably. Yep, that too. I mean, I I think the big piece, you know, I think the debate guy, and and I love him, is Hightower, you know, and and how much, you know, are you willing to eat $5 million? Is he worth that? I mean, I think he probably is. But you never know with the Patriots. I mean, there's been shocking moves before, and you know, and I, I'm not doom and gloom about the defense. Like I said, I think you know, no matter what happens, he's gonna they're gonna coach up a good defense that's gonna play solid. Um, but you know, I think High Towers is just a player to consider, and, and I feel like they're kind of in a similar mode as they were when they were in 2008, 2009, where it's like you, you got some old guys on the back end, you're paying them a lot. When's the time gonna come to kind of turn things over a little bit? And, and you know, they've been the foundation for so long. It's, uh, it's hard to think about, but it's certainly going to happen, and it happened a decade ago right now, so uh, they're probably due. Talking with Mike Dusso, Pat's Propaganda, patspropaganda.com. Um, is the, so with the Steelers, do they just, you know, you block your field goals by lining up offsides? Is that how that works? Is that, is that called the Randy Gregory? Like, what do, we, what do we call that? I don't... They really, really wanted to block it. <laughs> I have never seen anything like that in my life. Like... I continue. I I continue to be befuddled. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers right now are like the J.R. Smith of the National Football League, right? Like all the natural talent in the world, but like just a five cent head at the top of it, and you could just tell that gleans down from the top, whether it's their head coach or them, because there's always something bizarre going on with that team, always, and it's Mm -hmm. always a, a lack of just knowledge or awareness and it it is fascinating to me and i wonder how long i know they don't fire coaches there but we're also in a world now where you can fire the super bowl winning coach of the green bay packers 12 games into the season even though they were absolutely well within their rights to do it after yesterday's game i I wonder about tomlin because there's too much talent there to just let it all go and you're already losing bell this after this year and you played without him this year you know what i mean so what I don't know what's next for this team, but I don't. I don't know what to make of it. I could see them. I can see them going into Kansas City and winning, and then coming to Foxborough and, and losing. You know what I mean? Like that's just. I could see that being the peak of their season. Yeah, I, and, and I mean, once again, I mean, God, I'm, I'm always excited to see the Patriots go to Pittsburgh. I mean, it's amazing how 
how well the Patriots have played there over the years, uh, with the you know notable exception, I think, of 20, uh, 2010 or sorry, twenty eleven. Uh, that was one time where they got pretty thoroughly smacked. But otherwise, the Patriots have owned the Steelers too. And I mean, you know, you look at Pittsburgh having a knowing that New England's coming to town. That's largely going to determine a huge part of their playoff race. I mean. You, you, that's going to be such a huge game. I mean, not only for the Patriots as far as home field, but just for the Steelers and the direction of their team and their confidence levels. And, you know, I mean, you don't know uh, how far they're going to fall if they get broken again by the Pats. You know, they put up 40 on them. I, or some BS call at the end. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but still, we got a long ways to go from that because Patriots in Miami is always a shenanigan fest. So I just, we'll see what happens. We'll see. What, hopefully, they don't come out and decide to do the Stephen Jackson a few years ago and just run Rex Burkhead up the middle a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, see if, see if you can get him knocked out of the, the very next game he gets back. I yeah, that would that would be fine, right? That would yeah, that would I think that would totally uh, derail like segment number two on what we talked about here. Mike Duso from Pat's Propaganda, patspropaganda.com. Follow him on Twitter. He'll be posting stuff all week long, recaps of this game and then previews of the upcoming game against Miami. Mike, appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Matt. I'll talk to Thank you. Thank you. That's Mike Duso from Pat's Propaganda, patspropaganda.com. Mike Lowe for the Portland Press-Herald will join us in just a little bit. Black Bears football team, big win against Jacksonville State on Saturday. Of course, if you missed any of that, go to MBR Radio on Instagram, and you can catch the entire condensed game right there on the story. It's right in the highlights. You go boom, 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 boom. You can watch it from beginning to end. It's pretty sweet. It's Bela Staley, Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the MBR Radio Network.